By now, you've probably heard that the stock price for the homework helper app Chegg it crashed. It cut in half after the company said that they saw a significant spike in student interest in ChatGPT and that they now believe it's having an impact on their new customer growth rate. As an investor, I'm kicking myself for not connecting the dots, for not seeing Chegg as the ultimate big short opportunity, for not realizing that ChatGPT is the ultimate homework helper. Study Buddy probably can replace whatever else Chegg does on their starting at $15 per month subscription fee. I mean, I can't feel too bad for missing it because earlier this year, their CEO specifically said that they were not worried about ChatGPT and that it wasn't valuable to students. But really? Of course, Chegg isn't the only publicly traded company that does education stuff. Tons of other businesses can be disrupted by ChatGPT and AI. Who else? There could be a lot of crashes. So today on Dumb Money, we're shopping for shorts and uncovering all the other stocks that ChatGPT could kill. You're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Chris, Jordan, here are your fun facts. At the end of last year, Chegg said that they had 6.1 million subscribers. That was 29% more than the end of 2021. The revenue was also up 36% from the previous year. This quarter, they actually beat earnings. They said that the revenue, though, would be below the estimates, and they dropped that bombshell about ChatGPT slowing their subscriber growth. So, what do, what do we... I mean, I did... I've read that they are working with OpenAI to have their own little chat... Their, their version of a Chegg-branded chat tool uh, called Chegmate... Uh, but, but before we talk about the other stocks, let's let's hear your thoughts on this Chegg debacle. Oh, okay, Dave, they're delusional. Okay, they're delusional. Let me tell you something. Two days after ChatGPT was released, me and Jordan did a Twitter Spaces, and we talked for two hours about what companies were most likely to get destroyed by this new AI revolution. And one of the top companies we discussed at the time was Chegg. We were like, Chegg is going to get destroyed. Here's what happened, though. I was like, it's going to take at least a year, minimum a year, before they feel the wrath of AI at Chegg. It took 60 days. It took 60 days for it to destroy this company. All right? Yeah. So this is completely changing my entire outlook on how quickly AI is going to start to disrupt companies. Listen, Chegg basically was a company that made all of its money helping students do things, right? Helping students to study, uh, helping students with projects. Almost everything that you could do on Chegg, you can probably do better on ChatGPT for free. So why are you going to pay like 20 bucks a month or whatever it is? Like, So Chegg is going to say, no, 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 no. We're going to utilize AI and we're going to actually make the AI easy for students to use. And I know that they will. And I know that some people are still going to pay them money for a while, but there will be 50 other companies just like Chegg in a year or two. 
that are utilizing AI to do the same thing that Chegg does, charging $2 a month, okay? And I'm telling you, they are, the death spiral is inevitable for Chegg. Absolutely, in my opinion, it's inevitable. By the way, we're not financial advisors. This is just my opinion. Um, but I think the death spiral is inevitable for like 20 other companies, at yeah. least. Well, we know the Chegg in the past three months is down 89%. Their stock basically wavered all last year, I think down 18%-ish total for the year. But in the last three months, 89% drop. That basically is a company going out of business, right? I mean, the problem is they're not going to go out of business for a while, but the writing is so on the wall. It's like if you use ChatGPT and you use Chegg, you're like, all right, this is inevitable. Like at some point in time, it could be two years down the road. Virtually nobody is going to want to pay to use that when you could use this one for free or something that is slightly more like Chegg for a few bucks a month because it will be, yep. you're going to have an AI agent be like, oh, do what Chegg does, uh, the same exact thing, and I'm going to charge you two bucks a month for that. And Chegg and, starts and at $15, but then they have all these add-ons, another $10 for some study thing, and there's a $100 a month program for pre exam prep. There's a $400, like one, they have some expensive products, and if a lot of that can be replaced by AI, I just don't, I don't see a way forward for them, even though they are trying to get into the space directly and have AI products themselves. There are so many companies though that are the exact same thing. Like just think pure play, like what companies use the knowledge of the masses and package it and, and resell it to you. Right. So, but let's be, let's be honest about this. Chegg was like the closest thing to like an obvious pure play like just a super yeah. obvious pure play that was going to work its way out really quickly because it's just like you can do that stuff so easily on ai like other industry categories you could theoretically use ai to do that stuff but it's a little bit more complicated and there's a ramp up and the people that use the other services are older chegg is used by students right so young people are really quick to get on chat gpt they don't care. Like if you're talking about people doing their legal contracts with ChatGPT instead of LegalZoom, which is a company I think could be doomed long term, like that's not going to happen overnight. It's not like everybody starting next month is going to do all their legal contracts on ChatGPT. But in two years, in three years, who's using LegalZoom in three years when you have a hundred different versions of LegalZoom powered by AI that were created in like six days or six minutes, I don't know, uh, using an artificial intelligence agent that coded the software that's essentially just chat GPT for legal. Where are the where are the barriers to entry? Where's the moat? The moats are freaking gone, dude. Like LegalZoom is one right off the bat. That's one I'm super worried about. Yep. And Le LegalZoom is... I, I know that LegalZoom has very specific products and specific contracts that have been pre-written, pre-vetted by real attorneys. But for a lot of like the everyday things, like, you know, Chris, I know you go on Google and just, hey, uh, give me an example contract and I'm just going to change a few things, right? That's how you start All most of your, the, anything you're doing. 
You don't want to waste a, an, an attorney's time or money, your money. Dave, Dave, okay, perfect example. Wait, perfect example. Last night, I, or we're, we're trying to get out of a lease for one of our companies. We're not trying to get out of the lease. We're trying to like early terminate a lease. And the lease language is so complex. And there's like a, a guarantee and security deposits. and all. I could not understand if we were going to get our security deposit back, if we were to do this thing called the good guy guarantee and provide notice and pay penalties. And so I uploaded the lease into ChatGPT and I literally said, I'm confused. Can you help me understand if I'm going to get this back or not? And the answer, the way that it answered was so beautiful. It was way more precise than any, I think, actual lawyer would have been able to answer that because there were, there were some gray areas, but it explained what the gray areas were and it told me exactly what to ask and what to look for. Dude, I was about to contact an attorney to do that, our, our, our real estate attorney, and I probably saved $300 because of this. So, And I, by the way, I'm an early adopter, but in two years, do you have any idea how much billable hours are going to be lost by law firms? Like, but it kind of goes both ways because LegalZoom has this whole brand built around being the online attorney. What if they just wrap, you know, some additional intelligence and legal legalese around LegalZoom and and have their own interface for a ChatGPT bot that is specific to contracts? Would you go to ChatGPT, OpenEye Direct and upload a contract or would you prefer to go to LegalZoom that presumably has a little more? specific use case on top of AI. Okay, Dave, it doesn't matter. You know why? Because there will be legal, there will be legal boom. Okay. And that's going to be like a dollar a month and it's going to be a, a, something to help you do it. Right. Like you don't need to go to legal zoom for that. You could, there's going to be a hundred companies. There will be a creating a company that is producing legal documents, but has no attorneys on set. That just feels like lawsuit central. No, 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 Jordan. I don't think it's a matter of, first of all, it's not that hard to hire a, a small handful of attorneys or just gig economy attorneys to do something like that. On they're, a just like, they're sitting there like reading contracts that uh, that this thing pumps out. And at that point, is it any more efficient? Like, I I don't know. But, but Jordan, the thing is, look at how much money. Like it's say for people who's doing bootleg out of Chat GPT, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm taking the risk myself." But then you have a company that's based around pumping out legal contracts using AI. It just seems things. Jordan, look at how much money legal I would make. There's so, there's so much. Anytime you have a company making, I don't know, hundreds of millions to billions of dollars. People are more than happy to use an AI agent, create that company, hire a few attorneys and be like, hey, we're not as big or known, but we're literally 80 to 90% less and people are going to use it. There will be, there are already competitors. There's a bunch of competitors to LegalZoom right now. Okay. There's already a bunch. There's just going to be so many more that are AI like centric in the way that they do their work and not burdened by a lot of the stuff that LegalZoom has built over the past decade, decade and a half. But I do think there are better trades here. So I think one of the most fascinating trades in this space, if you think about it, um, think about the, first, this is a two-layer trade. So think about the companies that are going to have the most amount 
of layoffs due to AI, the companies that will be able to lay off workers with AI, you're looking at probably so, um, companies that have like a lot of admin, like accounting services, right? Like you, you're not going to need as many people that are doing admin, that are doing accounting, right? Uh, that are doing legal, like legal type of help. You don't need that many people, right? You could do more with less. So if you look at recruiting companies that specialize in recruiting those types of employees, like Robert Half, yeah. like they have built a massive business. Is Robert Half a public? Yes. Are they? Yeah. Like, I, so, okay. I probably should have checked that before do, uh, mentioning them on the episode. <laughs> uh, let me check. Uh, RHI, for sure. Yeah. So, so Robert Half is a company that has built just an absolutely massive, massive business. We're talking about a $7.3 billion company, and they are in the business of recruiting the, the exact type of professionals that are going to be laid off over the next few years and will never come back. Never, ever. Okay? So to me, Robert Half, is doomed. They are completely doomed. And I think when the market figures that out, they are going to trade down Robert Half even before it starts happening because they will see the writing on the wall the same way that people are seeing the writing on the wall with Chug right now. Chug, excuse me. So the second that Robert Half has a bad quarter and, oh, if they even mention that that it's because of AI, they are they I think we could see a 50% down day. So they're like very high on my target list. I'm going to be analyzing their data and any weakness I see in Robert Half, I'm going to pounce on them. I'm going to be shorting that company. So that's probably my number one pick. I have another one I want to discuss, but before I discuss it, I'm going to want to get Dave's opinion because I feel like Dave probably knows more about this company than I do. But do you guys, like, what do you guys think? Like, what what's your idea for a company that would... Like, Robert, my ideas on Robert Half? I hadn't even thought no, about that. No, no, my second pick. I have another pick I want to get your opinion on, but do you guys have any thoughts on companies that were industry categories? Well, I, mean, I think that me. there are... Just, just we saw what happened with Chegg. I think that there are so many other education platforms that kind of do the same thing. Maybe not as pure play as Chegg, but um, not all of them are going to be hurt by AI. And and that's where I think there's there's a, a a difficulty here. Like some are going to be able to implement AI and have a better product at a lower cost. They'll be able to do layoffs in a cost savings, higher revenue higher profit kind of way. Um, so I, 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 I saw a list online of a bunch of different companies that were in the same space. And there were, there were some that I, I, most I had never heard of. Um, but the ones that I have heard of, I think are not going to be hurt by AI as bad as I thought. So Duolingo is one. That's that app that does, uh, it, it's, it's a language, it's a foreign language learning app. Um, yep. they actually, the stock is up 20% in the past three months. And I think that AI is already being used and they'll be able to use it further to have AI generate course material on the fly in real time 
to meet the education needs of the person who's learning the language. And I think that they're actually going to be helped by AI, not hurt. Okay, but Dave, can I, can I pause there, Dave? It, but what is going... Right now, Duolingo has a moat because the type of stuff they do requires lots of people and coding and service. It's just, this. it's a lot. They have to, it's like old school. What is going to prevent a hundred new companies like Duolingo to come in and undercut their price? Because it's not super cheap by 90% because they're going to have an AI agent use AI to build another Duolingo and unlike having to hire attorneys like Jordan was worried about with LegalZoom, they don't have to do anything but create an AI-based language learning model for learning languages. And immediately, Duolingo is a better company, but there's a hundred other ones that are just as good as them at 90% less cost. And Duolingo's forced to reduce their fees by 90%. And the company's done. They're spiraling because they have an old school workforce and way more cost than all the new companies that are coming to that space. So I still think they're a death spiral company. I think they're essentially dead. It's just a matter I think of- that they will, I think that they will find a way to reduce their costs so that they can compete with these hundred new offshoot. And that's the thing. I feel like we're gonna be cluttered with so much terrible content across the board. I think YouTube videos are gonna get worse because AI is gonna start generating. TikToks are gonna get worse because Everyone's just going to say, AI, make me the most viral TikTok video ever. And it's just going to be terrible content, like read by a robot that is just not good. And yes, AI may get better at knowing what people want to see. And it may actually be, but it's just going to be terrible. And I think that the hundred offshoot companies that are doing just what you're saying are going to be subpar, cheap, junky versions of the real thing. Nope. No, they won't. No, they won't. They will be... They will be better than the real thing because they will be AI native and the AI agent is going to know how to build a better language training model, uh, a teaching model than they than these random people at Duolingo can build. I think it's going to be better. They'll probably be more customized. They have nothing to lose by taking risk because they don't they're not worried about disrupting an old model that they're already bought into. And I think there will be a hundred of them. Maybe seventy of them will stink. Thirty of them will be great, and but they will all be way cheaper. So much cheaper huh. that no matter what, Duolingo will lose. You could make a case that none of them will win, but Duolingo will ultimately lose. You're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The App Store is going to be a dumpster fire of crappy apps that people have just like whipped up. Let AI make me an app and AI make this better and AI copy this app. And it's going to be, there's going to be so many terrible apps out there that I'm not going to want. I'm going to need a filter. Was this AI created by a creative person using AI or was it just AI on top of AI? Dave, you're looking at it all wrong. You are going to have an AI agent that knows you really well. And you are going to ask that AI agent to find you the best 
language learning platform for you. And it that- will go out and do all that work. You're not going to be in an app store. You're not going to do any filtering on your own, Dave. It's already going to know the type of things that you like from past experiences. And it is going to find the perfect one for you for 50 cents a month. Okay. okay. I, need, will- I need that app right now. I need the 50 cent a month app that will help me sort through the dumpster fire of app store junk that's going to be out there that AI created. Can you, you make know, that? The AI is going to be free. The, the, the language model that it does, the, the, the app it finds for you will cost 50 cents a month, which is what's going to screw Duolingo because the chance that it comes back to you and says, Dave, and by the way, this is all going to take half a second. And it's going to say, Dave, I've looked at 800 language services and the very best value for your money based on the way that we know you like to learn with the way we, the things that are important to you is Duolingo. That's never going to happen. It's not. They're screwed. They're they're a death spiral company. They're done. Okay. What about Adobe? Is Adobe over too? Because- That's the one I want to ask you about. And here's why. Here's why I want to talk about Adobe because they're so fat and so juicy. They're so big. That company. What's their market cap? Like sixty billion dollars. Well, and they're basically oh. they're they're almost a mon- they're not a monopoly, but they're basically a monopoly for creators, right? It's not not just creators. I mean, Adobe has like the, the software for video editing. That's what the I'm software like doing, If you do video editing, if you work as a professional working on, you know, making ads and any, anything, anything in the creative realm, you probably have Adobe Suite. That is true. 100%. Adobe, this AI is going to make Adobe products way better. We can all it agree on has. that, right? It already has. They've already implemented that. One of our one of one of our uh, subscribers, he uh, mentioned this a few minutes ago in the chat. What that that it's making them better? Adobe. That, that, that it's be, making them. That it will. It'll be a it'll be a competition to Adobe. Adobe, it's every product they have is about to be a commodity. Okay, That's so they have That's like twenty. Yeah. They have like twenty products. Okay, Jordan, <clears throat> those. 20 products together generate so much money, it's actually insane. They are dominant players in their industry categories. They dominate, okay? So they're able to get a premium on all these products. There are about to be 100 competitors for each of their products. It could be six months. It could be 12 months. It could be 18 months. And even though their products are going to be better, they're going to slowly start losing a little bit of business to the person who's like, you know what? I saw this new Photoshop style thing that's AI created. It's like a quarter of the price of Adobe, uh, price sensitive. And instead of Illustrator or Photoshop, I'm going to use this. And on on it, there's going to be an earnings call at some point where Adobe says, we were short on earnings. We're losing a few people in this category. And someone's going to read between the lines. and going to be, did you lose them? to that AI software, co- and they're going to be like, well, we might have lost, a- and that's it. That's it. They're gonna The stock's going to get cut by 50%. I'm telling you guys, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling how this is going to go down. I don't know how quickly, but I think it's inevitable, and it, right now it's exciting the crap out of me because I'm like, if we could time just two or three of these, right, the money that could be made is so obscene 
if you're watching this show right now, if you don't realize the opportunity that's in front of us, like we are about to experience the biggest change that we have ever experienced in our lifetime, maybe outside of the pandemic, the stuff that happened that year. And when it's that time for means- change, you got to rearrange. Did you notice your voice just cracked there? I'm excited, dude. It's time I mean, to change. Think about the opportunity. If you would have nailed that Chegg, right? The Chegg yeah. was the first one. It laid I think the Adobe is. I think Adobe is ready to be disrupted. I think Adobe has been this industry behemoth for so long. They're a $150 billion company. They have 30,000 employees, and they make, they make software that could easily be replaced. They haven't been replaced for forever because every designer loves Photoshop and, and Illustrator. But they can learn. New tools can come out, and we've already seen disruption. So their big video editing platform is called Premiere. There is a huge shift right now of video editors moving over to DaVinci Resolve because it was known as the absolute best color grading tool. Uh, they've added some AI and color grading, that's it, but they also then uh, expanded out and now it's a full editor, a full sound editing program. It replaces Premiere. It also replaces Final Cut and all of the other editors. And there's a big shift of editors moving over to it. I could see that same shift happening with their other big products like Photoshop. As soon as there's a better Photoshop that's free, that's that's the thing. DaVinci Resolve is free. Premiere costs, I don't know, $70 a month just for that program. <laughs> oh, man. paying that. Are you ready for this, guys? Now, think about this. This is all happening in the midst of a recession where people are looking to save money. So imagine all of these products, right, that you're paying X amount a month for, and now there's an AI-centric one that potentially is even better or it's the same or a little worse, but, like, it's free or it's, like, 95% less money. Like, are, dude, this there's, is kind of insane it's there's no there's no uh reason not to try the free one right there's no reason not to even even if you have to pay 100 bucks you're paying 70 dollars a month those those uh subscriptions for adobe where you get like multiple products bundled together i personally have canceled down to i got rid of everything except for photoshop and as soon as there's a better program out there than photo and i know there are several free versions of things that are photoshop like i just I'm so used to Photoshop that I'm, it's still worth it for me to pay 25. I'm, I like I found the lowest package price possible that includes that, and I think uh, the the photo editing Lightroom, I, which I don't even use, um, but they're they're pricing they're priced out of the price just insane. It doesn't make sense, especially when there are free alternatives popping up left and right. Dude, I'm with you, man. I'm I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I think Adobe might I, Robert Half and Adobe might be my two kind of favorites uh, in this area. But there are so there's just there's so many more. Um, op, so we talk about the education companies. The education companies are kind of at risk. Uh, we talk about rec- I think recruiting companies are definitely definitely at risk. I think Robert Half, uh, especially, I think, uh, software companies like Adobe that make 
the type that see that make the type the type of software that's easily disrupted by AI, which Adobe is in. That's the thing. Like there are other software companies you can make a case that there's a larger moat, perhaps, but Adobe, I don't think there is with AI with a lot of their products. Adobe's main moat is that they have this history of every creative person learning the program like years ago. Yeah. And so it has something has to come along that is familiar enough for a creative to say, oh, I know these tools. I know how to do it. And it's not going to take, I'm not going to have to relearn my entire livelihood to be able to switch to an alternative to Photoshop. So how about customer service companies like Salesforce, right? Uh, Zendesk. Um, those guys are also at risk. I just don't know how quickly... Like, I'm looking for companies that are going to get theoretically found out or exposed, like, yeah. this year. This year, I'm just not 100% sure because of how how deep these companies are in with the enterprise market. Salesforce, I don't know is, Salesforce is this giant bloated company. Have you ever, you've been at a company, you've been at one of our companies that we tried to implement Salesforce. It Dave. is such a headache to to do, but once it's in, once you've installed that, it's hard harder to replace because you've. I was at a company that spent two years, had a team of like eight or nine or ten people, just developing customization of Salesforce for our Salesforce in our company before it could go live. So it was like a two year development cycle. To uh -huh onboard Salesforce into the company. So I imagine it might be a two-year cycle to get rid of it. I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> unless, just... unless AI can just say, hey, look at what we've implemented with Salesforce. Look at our policies. Look at our, our current operating structure. And uh, here are some headaches that we currently have that are unsolved. Can you whip up a new CRM for us that solves all of that and already has the integrations to our existing API plugins that we've written custom for Salesforce. That could, oh. that could be disruptive right there unless Salesforce is able to somehow replicate that. But there's such I a agree. big, slow industry company. Dave, it's inevitable. It's, it's inevitable, I agree. Um, I just don't know if it will be, be exposed as quickly as some of the others. On that same note about companies, I think everyone's saying will, will will be disrupted, but I don't think it's going to happen like very soon. Is Fiverr and Upwork? And here's my thesis: there, um, my thesis is that first of all, if you the data that I've seen on Upwork and Fiverr is that there has been a massive amount of onboarding of workers in the last sixty days to those platforms as people are getting laid off or looking to generate more money for themselves. So they have a lot more supply in terms of workers. Now, I don't know if the demand is ticking up, but what I'm the concern about shorting those companies is that I think they might actually benefit from AI initially before they get destroyed by AI. So I think most people are not going to be comfortable just diving right in from an enterprise level or a corporate level or even a small business to actually utilize AI to help their business in various ways. But gig economy workers who have the confidence and skill set will adopt what they do to leverage AI to do what they do cheaper. So I think that they might get an initial boost of business, but 
in some time frame, like a 12 month time frame, I think the people doing business on those gig economy platforms like Fiverr and Upwork will start to lower their rates because they're going to undercut each other because what they're doing for the client is so easy now with the yeah. AI tools that they're using. Yeah. All they are, are is really a middleman between the cus the, the boomer customer or even who those does, yeah, who doesn't know how to dive in and do it themselves with AI. And AI, right? They and just, so they're going to undercut. Go the undercut. So yeah. what happens when they undercut? When they start undercutting too much, I think the percentage of that revenue that goes to Upwork and Fiverr also starts to get undercut. So I do think they are inevitably screwed. I just don't think it's going to like happen really quickly. I think it's going to be confusing because we might see a boost in their business. Yeah. We're, we're going to need more companies that put basically a wrapper around AI and make it ex you know easier to use for companies. And like... If you're a worker at a company, you're not you're not going to hesitate jumping on OpenAI and having ChatGPT write your emails for you and do do your do your work for you. But from a company level, it's going to take some enterprise level version of AI to be the adopted solution for the full company. Agreed. Agreed. Sorry, guys, I'm I'm just pulling my notes up. Here. Matt's saying that I just need to pirate an older version of uh, Photoshop. No, I need the latest. I always need the latest. The new cutout tools that they have, the the masking tools and the AI that they use to do that has made Photoshop fun to use again. It does so much for you, but uh, I th there are also websites where you can just upload an image and say cut out the background and it does it for you. So it's like so there needs to be a more complete solution and then I'm I'm done. So just another one that goes back to like customer service and communication, Twilio. Twilio, you know, they're down right now, but they built up a fairly robust business that feels like AI can kind of replicate pretty quickly to me. Um, so they're at risk as well. But Dave, the Adobe play, like, because it's so big and fat and at risk, so much room to fall. By the way, Robert Half, is an $8 billion company and, you know, not as much room, but I mean, there's still plenty of room to fall if and yeah. when they get exposed. Uh, what else guys? I feel like there's just, there's just so many companies that are going to be at the wrong end of, of AI. Dude, it's, here's so, here's a, here's a list that, that I found, uh, online. Are, are any of these ones that you want to talk about? Um, Pearson, yeah, to you. A lot of those, I mean, we've covered them. A lot of those are kind. I never even heard of nerdy. A lot of those are educational companies. Yeah, that was nerdy. Um, Adobe did make this get, list. I'll say one other thing. I do think that this is a kind of a tangent, but commercial real estate. I, I know everyone's already concerned about commercial real estate, right? I think. This perfect storm of AI adoption at the at the cross section of work from home. So all these companies, as we know, tried to get people to come back in the office, and they're basically forcing people to come back in the office. So like some of them are coming two days a week, three days a week. It's pretty much been exposed as a huge joke now, and everybody now knows it's ridiculous. 
The offices are half full. It, it Even management is like, this is just stupid. It's not productive. We're asking people to drive into work half the time. They basically come in, they set their laptop in their cubicle and they have monitors they don't even look at anymore. It's just, it's <laughs> such a joke. Like, I think we're about to enter this massive death spiral of corporate, especially office real estate. And everyone that's saying like, oh, they're just going to convert those buildings into residential. Let me tell you something about that. First of all, residential gets a lower rate than corporate, but that doesn't even matter because most of these buildings are not set up in a way that they could even be converted. And the reason for that is residential needs plumbing, okay? Lots of units on a floor, all those units need plumbing. These buildings are not set up in terms of their structure to handle that type of internal plumbing. I was kind of reading about this this past week. So I was like, because why don't they just convert them all to residential? They'll take like a 25 to 30% hit, but they can still, you know, it's a lot of money to convert them. But the plumbing is a major issue that I never realized before. And that's why you can't just flip a building from commercial to residential because you can't, I mean, it's almost, a lot of these buildings, it's almost impossible to convert them because of the plumbing issues you would need for all those residential units. There was, there's a really good YouTube video. It has 360,000 views. I, I just watched it. Why we should live in our office buildings. It, it talks all about this and also well, the downsides and also some like really innovative projects that are going on right now. So this is a dude named Stuart Hicks, uh, 360,000 views on this. I recommend that video. If when you're not watching dumb money, there's occasionally some other things on YouTube that uh, that are are pretty valuable. And by the way, nobody wants to live in cities anymore anyway, right? Like if you see what's happening to Chicago, to San Francisco, to LA, like it's just it's kind of like the um, regional banking crisis. One city goes down, the next city goes down. It's absolutely wild what we're seeing right now. Um, it's like, it really is the perfect storm. And I think AI is that kicker to really like put, like just really completely destroy all that office commercial real estate. Because when the layoffs happen, and I think they are going to happen over the next 12 to 24 months, that's just going to be the last straw for all those office buildings. They are ready. Nobody wants to work in those buildings. It's, it's, they're all they're they're all canceling their leases. But can we just we like need to, say we need to do a whole show on real estate because there's I feel like it's also a perfect storm for real estate nightmares right now. With interest rates as high as they are, with foreclosures starting to pop up, with uh people with adjustable rate mortgages being priced out of the market, with have you did you notice how much your uh your real estate tax went up this year, Chris? I don't want to know. You're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I haven't looked. I haven't looked yet. It's it's insane. I've heard from other people in the neighborhood that it is 
almost comical. Because, so, well, think about it. Real estate spiked, and the uh, the the assessment value for local real estate taxes is kind of a lagging indicator. So real estate was up. It's probably lower now than it was when these uh, houses were assessed. Not in our neighborhood. Not in our <laughs> neighborhood. We're, we're the exception. But my uh, my taxes went from, just in the past few years, went from like $30,000 a year to $45,000 a year. Wait, they and can only go is, up ten. That is wait, with, Dave. They can only go up ten percent out a year. It's, Dave, they only the cap. Ten percent. I know it's a ten percent cap every year. But if you are at that cap and you go up ten percent every year, you get there pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. No, I. I and now I, I'm at that cap, and the amount they raised it this time, my tax bill being forty four thousand dollars this year is going to go up ten percent next year, ten percent the year after, because the appraised value is still way higher than I'm paying taxes on. It's just uh, and now I'm getting I'm going to have a 10 percent raise in my taxes every year uh, for the rest of time until until it catches up. Jordan, this is where you were really smart, like moving into a equally beautiful but more modestly priced neighborhood, not in the middle of Dallas. <laughs> um, and this is where this is where Lynn's getting really screwed. The only way you feel good about this stuff is you got to remember what Lynn's having on that house. <laughs> He, I think he must be up to like $150,000 a year in real estate taxes on that. Thing. Oh my gosh. It's, it's got to right? be, right? It yeah. has to be. Um, does he have to pay well, that on his yacht too? Well, and he also, doesn't he own multiple homes? Oh yeah, he owns like five, five or yeah. six. So he's, <laughs> and only one of those, he gets the homestead exemption. Oh, he doesn't even get the exemption. Think about that. Other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, question. Good thing, good thing he has a lot of money. That's all I say. Very tiny violin for Lynn having to pay high taxes. Yeah, totally, totally. I hope he's watching. Totally. I'm sure he'll text so, me. This is related. I feel this is a related question for you, Jordan. Um, so because we're talking about layoffs, they're coming. Um, AI is only going to accelerate those layoffs. But there has always been this fear of big companies, like really big companies, of how much they could actually lay off before they're putting their company at risk, specifically as it relates to tech and like their infrastructure and not having downtime. Like there's just massive fear. The only human that's ever lived that didn't have that fear was Elon Musk. And when he did what he did to Twitter's kind of tech department, and the, I mean, the amount of reduction in that tech department was obscene we, we you know we saw videos of very senior people in that tech department that were laid off that basically came out and said within 90 days twitter was going to stop working as like with 100 certainty these are really smart engineers really smart engineers that had been working at twitter for many many years that knew what they were doing that I watched their videos, they're like, there is actually no way that this company will survive more than a few months. Uh, somehow, he managed to do it. And I still can't figure out how, at least on the tech side of that business, right? Because it's such old you know, infrastructure. Like, Jordan, th does this change the game for how company, because you've been in the world, you've been a CTO, Right? Does this change the game for how CTOs and CEOs will think about how much they can lay off? Because hey, if Twitter did it, it's still working. It's still working, which is kind of crazy. 
Like I, yeah, I, I, don't, do. I don't think so. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, look, I mean, Twitter's kind of, that's a very special situation. Um, and I think it also really depends on what the company does, like what they've, you know, got going on. I mean, I think you are going to see layoffs, right? I mean, we're going into a downturn. I think people are looking to trim fat. Um, it depends on what projects you want to keep on the books, which ones you're willing to let go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. But don't you think in the boardroom, in the boardroom where they're trying to figure out, okay, we know we're going to cut 8,000. Right. Can we cut 20? And you know that conversation, someone's going to bring up, look what Elon did uh, from an infrastructure standpoint, a downtime standpoint. But they also operating portion of their revenue um, when Elon took over, right? Um, no, but that's unrelated. That's, that's separate that's unrelated. from. That has nothing to do with, the, that has nothing to do with like their employee power and keeping the company going. That was like him being ridiculous and doing what he does to scare off advertisers right but like all i'm saying is i feel that elon what he did and what he pulled off at twitter just from being able to lay off 80 percent of a company and really not have it be meaningfully felt like let's say you look at salesforce and you look at the number of engineers they have and you say okay well we just want to keep the lights on then yeah they could probably lay off a huge portion of their staff but that's not how companies work right so that's not how but, but is it fair to say that Elon, while we can we can argue over the decid the products that he's releasing, I personally hate them. But we can argue over whether we like them or not. But he's been releasing as much or more product than Twitter ever has, with eighty percent less staff. Twitter so seems to hate all about that. I and what products. What products are you talking about? I mean, he's been changing stuff. Like, look at what he did with Twitter I mean, Blue. I mean, look what he did with things. But he's, no, I mean, he's experimenting. He's experimenting in a way that that when they had a giant bloated staff, they were unable to be nimble and and do right. things. I think that 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 says that speaks more to like his style of like go fast and break things. Kind of more. I like I said all along, he turned Twitter back into a startup company instead of the big bohemian. I worked at Yahoo for a decade. That company was giant and bloated by the by the time I left, right? And I they could have they went through multiple rounds of layoffs, but they could have gone way deeper with those. But they didn't. I think what what Elon did is basically he he trimmed the fat to the point where there was only skin and bone left and kept things going and found the people who were still motivated enough to be there and made them work harder. I think it's fear and power that keeps companies so large. I've been in big companies. You have, Dave. Jordan, you have for a small period of time been at uh, some very large. Like, I, I spent a lot of my career in those big companies, and I'm telling you, half, half the game, he, Chris, half the game in those big companies is getting more headcount for your division. Of That's course. All these companies, like, you're more successful as a manager if you have a bigger team, and so the incentive structure is... I will be I will be paid better if I have more people working for me. And so I'm going to every meeting thinking, well, you're asking for a new feature. I think I'm going to need 12 new engineers. But we've never had a situation where we've had this perfect storm of a recession, uh, AI making it so you can do the same amount of work with one person that you could with three or five or 10. 
Like that's but like, also have a case study of a company like Twitter that laid off 80% of its employees and is still operating and releasing products. You don't and you, you don't know what projects they nixed, what future growth plans that they are giving up by doing that. It is a, so basically, they, they shut it down to like a keep the lights on and it may be able to iterate slightly on the products that they already have mode. Right now, is that good or bad for the actual company? Like, I don't know, Chris. Um, Supposedly, I guess they're rewriting the entire code base right now. I guess what I'm getting back to here, I want to come full circle. I think this perfect storm of having a case study with Twitter being able to reduce its employee count by a massive amount and still be fine in terms of operations, having a recession, and now also having AI make us give us the ability to do a lot more work with less all comes back to me of having a lot of unemployed people over the next couple of years and really very little need, if any, for recruiting companies. So I cannot wait to short Robert Half as well as other recruiting companies. I feel like that has to be one of my highest conviction short picks on this whole AI disruption trend. Oh, by the way, guys, follow all of our accounts. We're doing lots of shorts. Have you guys seen our short clips on Instagram and TikTok? We have a TikTok account. Uh, what's a TikTok account, Dave? I don't even know. Uh, Dumpily Live. Yeah, please follow us on TikTok and you know heart those videos and watch them two, three times for the algo. We really appreciate it. We want we want to bring <laughs> watch, them, watch them three times and hit the uh, little heart button on uh, on your TikTok box, and every, everyone's happy. Yeah, we want to bring the whole world into the investor class. And the only way that we do that is to help inspire people and show them that you don't have to be financially, you know, uh, you don't have to have financial expertise to do what we do on this show. You guys know it and you've been watching. You just got to be able to observe things, connect dots, and gain confidence that, you know, Wall Street isn't all they're made out to be. And we have an edge on them. They don't have an edge on us. So it's been fun. And with that, we're Dumb Money. Subscribe, and we will see you at a whole week of shows next week, Tuesday and Thursday, hopefully. So subscribe, smash the bell on your way out. One more thumbs up would really help us out. We'll see you uh, next week. Have a great weekend. Thank you.